0: Hey, all you Light the Fighters out there, thank you so much for joining us with another episode of Light the Fight. Um, Today, uh, Heidi is still out of town, and so unfortunately, she will not be joining us. And I, unfortunately, still have a man cold. Apparently, I got a different variant of the man cold or man virus, whatever I have. I thought I was feeling better. But now I'm feeling sick again. In fact, I'm feeling really sick at the moment. So this is going to be a shorter episode, but I am excited to do this episode because I chose a topic from one of our old podcasts called Assertive Vulnerability versus Victim Vulnerability. And I'm going to take a deeper dive and give you guys some new thoughts and feelings upon that because it's been a topic that's come up in a lot of my discussions recently in my private practice. And just general questions people have asked me. So we'll be going over that in just a moment. But before I do that, I want to take less than 60 seconds to tell you how you can support the podcast if you feel that the podcast is worth supporting. Step number one is you can go to 1-800-CONTACTS, assuming you have contacts that you're in need of, and give them a shot. 1-800-CONTACTS, they're a community sponsor, and we couldn't do this without them. Way number two that you can support the podcast is you can go to LingoEyewear, www.l-i-i-n-g-o-eyewear.com and use code Fight for $30 off your order. I actually just ordered my very first pair of sunglasses, of eyeglasses. I don't know why I said sunglasses. And I'm excited because they're sending me a few different pairs and I get to pick which ones I want and which one I like and keep it and send the other ones back. So lingoeyewear.com and make sure you use the code light the fight. The third way you could visit us at Patreon and that is www.patreon.com backslash light the fight. And what that is is just a way to get some extra bonus contact content with us. Connect with us on a different level. And we take a lot of deeper dives on podcasts. We're doing educational tutorials. So we got a lot of stuff that we're building over there. Come on all over. A lot of people have come over. It's as easy as five bucks a month. So that's patreon.com backslash light the fight. Okay. Enough of that. Let's get to the good stuff now. As I mentioned to you, I wanted to speak to you guys about something that's called that I have dubbed or I've branded um, assertive vulnerability versus victim vulnerability. So in short, if you haven't listened to our previous episode that we did about a year and a half ago on this, let me give you a little recap. Um, for all the, of those of you out there that are fans of Brene Brown, um, we've all been blessed by her research and by everything that she's done to help us understand how being vulnerable is extremely valuable. Um, one thing that I found in my practice when I'm working with people is that, there's actually two different variations of the definition vulnerability and I've labeled them um, and, and this is just to help people better understand because the concept of vulnerability, anyone that's listening to this podcast or have listened to Brene Brown or is trying to just better themselves their relationships, those type people are going to see vulnerability in a different light. They're going to see vulnerability as a superpower. As something that should not be uh, used as a negative context, in a negative way, it should be seen as strength and power. And I agree, all those things are great. Problem is, is other people are not looking for self progression. Some people still view vulnerability with the definition that it was kind of always used as, at least you know, in, in most of our lifetime, which is the definition of if you're vulnerable, you're easily hurt, you're exposed. And that's not a good thing. If you're vulnerable, that means you're overly sensitive. You're, um, you know, you're, you're being, you know, something about you is just weaker. Now, I'm not saying that's the right definition. I'm not saying that's how people should see it. But we got to be honest with ourselves. Certain words mean things to certain people. And it might mean something or be associated with something completely different. So thanks to Brene Brown. Thanks to a lot of other therapists, counselors, motivational speakers, influencers throughout the, you know, since about 2010, have been talking about that and just adding new information to that. So I'm just going to add a little bit more information to that subject today because the conversations that I usually have with parents, with teachers, um, um, and these are people that I usually talk to about how to better connect with teenagers, parents, teachers, people that have influence, coaches, stuff like that. When I'm talking to them about this, I explain to them that victim vulnerability is what I I dub and I label the old definition, the definition that has the stigma and the shame associated with it. You're weak, you're easily hurt, it's a bad thing to be vulnerable. Assertive vulnerability is really what Brene Brown, all the other people out there are talking about when they talk about vulnerability being a superpower and being a way to connect with other people. So I've, I've had a line that I've been using for years and um, just to help people remember um, this concept and that is you have to be vulnerable to even be available to have a deeper connection with the person. Now that person then, after they see your vulnerability, see you put yourself out there, they then would have to say, you know what? That's not typical. That's good. It's not bad. It's something that, makes me feel like maybe I could put my guard down around this person and maybe there's someone I could trust and I could be real with them too. Hence, they then can make themselves vulnerable, assertively vulnerable in return. So that type of vulnerability, it's definitely assertive vulnerability where you're recognizing that being vulnerable, if someone else is being vulnerable to you, that that's a good thing and that the best thing you could do in return is to be vulnerable back with them. Now, unfortunately, when someone's assertively vulnerable to you, it does not guarantee that you're going to want to be assertively vulnerable back to them. Uh, I've had this happen many times in my life, and even though it was a good thing, it aggravated me and frustrated me because the person that was being assertively vulnerable to me, I was still upset with, I was still angry with, they caught me off guard. I did not plan on them having such a good apology or good definition or description of what happened. And they seem so genuine. They seem so honest that it made me mad because I was planning this whole entire time when I was thinking about our, our interaction, I was planning being mad at this person. I was planning this anger lasting for months, years, possibly a lifetime. And in one conversation, they took my anger down about 50% just by being assertively vulnerable. So, so my definition of assertive vulnerability is as follows sharing your most sincere and genuine thoughts, feelings, and opinions with someone in hopes to connect with them and not to have an argument or altercation. Now, my definition of victim vulnerability is using your hurt and pain from a situation as a tool to get sympathy, to get people to feel bad for you, or to weaponize your own hurt and pain to share a grievance against someone or to change someone's undesirable behavior that they're exhibiting towards you. Now, as you can probably conclude from these two definitions, they're very different. One is to connect and one is for validation of your pain, to manipulate and to also share your pain with the person that you feel pained you. Now, for most of you guys listening to this podcast, you're listening to this podcast because you're just trying to get some nuggets, pick up on some information that could be helpful for you in managing difficult relationships in your life. Mostly those relationships on this podcast that people are come to learn about, are relationship with family members, more specifically with their children, More of the kind of older child, preteen, teenager, and young adult children. So this topic of um, vulnerability, because it's such a common thing, a lot of people have really taken on to vulnerability and say, hey, I need to be vulnerable. I need to be vulnerable. But unknowingly, vulnerability does have different ways that it can be used. And it's based upon a person's intentions. Now, I don't think people out there that use victim vulnerability, especially young people, I don't think that they they seek out, okay, I'm going to use my vulnerability to make someone feel bad because they hurt me. I don't think that's a plan. I don't think that's something that people intentionally are thinking about and consciously doing. But I think what happens is we kind of stumble upon this. We kind of stumble upon this because we've had it happen to us. You know, When I talk to teenagers, they can usually give me many different scenarios and situations where they felt that adults were being victim vulnerable and were using vulnerability, like them having to pay for everything for the teenager, them having to do everything for the teenager, to make the teenager feel bad or to try to make the teenager feel bad in hopes that if they make the teenager feel bad that will stop the teenager and motivate the teenager from changing or motivate the teenager to change their behavior to a much more desired behavior. Well, unfortunately, from my experience, that doesn't really work that well when used that way. So a lot of us adults model victim vulnerability to our kids. Now, if you're sitting there listening to this, you're like, I've never done that. Okay. Well, first of all, that's unique. I don't know too many people that have never done that. So I'm assuming that you have. You just may not think about it, but also may not even be talking to you. You may not be a person who really typically does that, but it doesn't mean that your teenager or your kid doesn't have people in their life, other adults, coaches, teachers, instructors, you know, you know, I, you name it, just any adult in their life. I'm sure you're going to come across a people or at least a number of people who are going to use that tactic of vulnerability that version of vulnerability which is victim vulnerability to try to get someone to feel bad or to have remorse for what they've done so recently um there wasn't even one conversation just a lot of conversations and when i was talking to these people i'm I'm trying to be very vague and and, because obviously these people are uh you would know these people, probably, if you're local here. Well, I was talking to some people, and they were saying one of their biggest concerns that they have for the teenagers that they work with, it's a large group of teenagers, is that teenagers nowadays seem, and this is just their opinion, and which I can see where their opinion's coming from, teenagers seem to be very much always feeling like a victim. They've always been wronged. If someone says something to them that they don't like, now they're a victim. If someone asks them to do a chore or to do, them a, do a homework assignment or to do work of any sort that they don't want to do, that they're a victim. And that as adults and as people who are supposed to motivate teenagers, these people were telling me that they feel like their hands are tied. There's not much they can do because they have to deal with this victimhood that's just getting in the way of the progress that needs to be done. They tell me stories of how when they were younger that they weren't allowed to be victims And even if they were actually victimized, like if they're abused by adult, nobody wanted to hear it. Nobody, and I'm talking about uh, not like the real bad abuse. It could be like verbal abuse, you know, just mistreated type of abuse, right? But they they talked about how when they're younger, like nobody cared. No one really put in that much time and effort. And so it's really hard for them to inside justify taking the time, being patient, to work with kids that they feel have taken on an identity of being a victim and they're not trying to not be a victim. It's pretty much what they've accepted. They try to see every situation of like, hmm, how could I be wronged or how could I use my victim role or victim mentality or victim you know, situation to get me out of work, to get me out of having to show up and get me out of having to be responsible because it's uncomfortable for me. So this is what I'm uh, going to be talking about for the next few minutes of how victim vulnerability can really slow down progress at school, at any home in a work environment, and how using assertive vulnerability instead can be the way to help teach our youth that there is another option that taking on the role of the victim at the moment it's going to have some payoff you might be able to get out of doing a homework assignment or get out of some sort of work for the moment. But what happens is the longer a person gets a positive reaction, and for a teenager, if they don't have to do something, that's a positive reaction. So how do you get a teenager to not see themselves as a victim, to not take on that role and that mentality so that later on in life, they do not feel that things are expected to them and they're entitled to things that they're not. Because teenagers going to the workplace that have a great sense of entitlement, feel like they're a victim, and are looking in every situation how they could be a victim, seems to me to be a bad recipe for their independent life. And I'm not saying this in a threatening way that you know, a kid that has his victim mentality can't be a hard worker because someone could be a hard worker and have a victim mentality what I'm saying is that if they have a victim mentality and they're looking for ways that they can be victimized it's it's going to distract their work because now they're serving two masters and what I mean by that is if they're looking for ways to prove that a situation or environment is not good, it's unhealthy It's not conducive to work. It's not logical why it needs to be done this way. And they take on a victim mentality. More time and effort is spent trying to figure out how to identify the problem, where all the problems are coming from, and how they need to fight against the problem. Now, for adolescents especially, this is a common thing in their development. Question authority, challenge authority. So in their development, that's a normal, natural thing. And it's actually not a bad thing. As a family therapist, I can say when you have adolescents testing the status quo of their family system, that is a very good thing. Now, while parents are going through it, and if it's really horrible, they may not think it's a good thing. But what that means is this family has to evolve. And there's no way a family would evolve and change and grow if they weren't tested, if they weren't pressured, if they weren't pushed to need to evolve. So when talking about assertive vulnerability as the answer, it is important, well, when I say important, it's really the only way, at least right now, that our kids are going to get this, this attitude, the words, the language, the overall mentality of being assertively vulnerable. Assertive is a bold expression, Right? So when I, when I talked about the, the definition of assertive vulnerability, I did leave out that part, a bold expression of your most genuine thoughts, feelings, and opinions. Like I said, I'm not feeling so well and having a hard time remembering everything right now. So when I say a bold expression, adolescents by nature have this bold desire to buck the system, to fight back. Well, with assertive vulnerability, you can use that same assertion, that bold expression, but you can use it in a non-aggressive approach. You know, there's a lot of ways where people can be aggressive in a creative way. And I think teenagers especially, they see adults, other teenagers being aggressive, whether it be outright aggressive or passive aggressive. They see different ways that um, you can hurt someone's feelings, you can put someone in check, and you can shut someone down. My fear is that our kids, if they do not learn how to be assertively vulnerable, they will continue to seek out ways where they can shut other people down. They can stop the flow of work, whether it be at school, at home, or an actual work environment. On details, I mean stop the flow by focusing on details that are not going to save the company, are not going to save the family, are not going to save their situation in the long term. But instead, they'll be focusing on all these little details just to get a moment of, aha, I was right. Or, see, you're a hypocrite. Or, see, you hurt me. Because you hurt me with the words you said last night, now I don't have to do my homework tonight. I make that connection because... Most of you guys probably have heard somewhere that the teen brain, the child brain, is definitely not fully developed, and even the young adult brain is not fully developed. They're not really thinking too much about the long term. They're thinking more about how do I win at this moment, in this argument, in this scenario, in this situation. Well, it's up to us to show them that there's different ways to win. Winning isn't shutting someone down. Winning is being above the loss. So what I mean by that is, in conversations, I don't believe that you win a conversation by being right. I believe you win a conversation by helping the other person better understand where you're coming from. You articulate your thoughts and feelings that allows them the moment, the, you know, the opportunity, whatever you want to call it, to consider what you're actually saying. You see, your assertive vulnerability is, It is a bold expression, but it's not attempts to win an argument. It's not confrontational. It doesn't pick a fight with someone. And in uh, the the first episode that that we did on this, um, I used a couple different examples. And um, I, I believe that I spoke about this in the first episode, but I heard this a long time ago, and I believe this is a true statement. The definition of power not like electrical power, but power with human beings, is really the ability to influence another human being. Well, how do you influence human beings? Well, let's talk about this for a second. There's lots of ways to influence human beings. Now, not all of them are good. Some of those ways of influencing other human beings are intimidation, blackmail, um, interrogation, Um, threatening that person, good looks, money. You know, there's a lot of things that can influence someone. But what I'm wanting, the families, the adults, the teachers, the coaches, the people that I work with, what I'm wanting them to do is I want them to to establish and model an influence that is long lasting, that can help develop a partnership where someone actually wants to work with you so instead of feeling like they're trapped or they have to. And that's where assertive vulnerability comes in because assertive vulnerability is boldly expressing what you think, what you feel, your opinions. But when you're expressing this to someone, you're expressing it with a totally different intention than to win or to be right or to prove that they're a hypocrite, or they're ridiculous, or they're flawed in any sort of way. Assertive vulnerability says, I've had enough experience what happens when I try to call someone out, when I try to get someone fired, when I try to do something horrible to ruin someone because they've hurt my feelings. Now, let me be very clear. I'm not referring to when you've been sexually harassed at a job, when you've been like actually abused, when you've been marginalized in a very specific way, right, a very harsh, direct way. I'm referring to our youth seeing people get so much attention for being victims, for having mental health disorders, for being um, mistreated, that they start to create an environment in a in a community sometimes with other kids a victimhood and i use victimhood just like robin hood as if being a victim has this advantage and i and i think that's what's happening. well i don't think it. i from my personal and professional experience that is what's happening. they're starting to see that victimhood is kind of like being robin hood You're stealing from the rich to give to the poor. That's what Robin Hood did. Well, victimhood is stealing from the people who have always had the power, taking that power and giving it to the poor. Except this case, the poor person is poor little you. Now, how you use assertive vulnerability to still get to be vulnerable But not to be vulnerable in a very unattractive, non-cooperative, it's my way or the highway type of way is assertive vulnerability is an invitation to the other person that's basically saying, hey, I came to negotiate. I came to talk. I didn't come to fight. I don't want any problems. I got no beef with you. Or if I do have beef with you, it doesn't help for me to make the beef bigger and the arguments stronger because now we're just going to go with more defiance towards the other person's thoughts and feelings and just complete rejection of anything that they've ever done or they're currently doing. Hence, that's why teenagers tell me they don't have to do their homework because their parent was a hypocrite about something else that was totally irrelevant. That is victimhood. Robbing the power from the powerful and giving it to the weak. You guys, if, if we have an army of teenagers that are looking for ways to be victimhood. We're gonna have an army of young adults who are looking to turn to tear down systems in their homes, in their jobs, as their number one priority. Now, I have been a very serious whistleblower in my past. There's been a few jobs where I saw some actual real abuse, physical, mental, emotional, lying about their finances, um, unsafe environments, unhealthy environments, dangerous environments for youth. And when I was working for those facilities, I spotted it, I saw it, and I also saw that no one else in the facilities was willing to report it. Everybody hinted at it, everybody talked about it, everybody turned a blind eye and kind of behind closed doors, everybody talked about how messed up it was and how they shouldn't do it, but no one was willing to risk their $14, $15 an hour job to say anything. And they became victimhoods. Instead of becoming brave, instead of doing what myself and a couple other people did, because I wasn't the only whistleblower, I was just the one who just said, hey, listen, something has to be done. And I was able to persuade two other people to report what they have been seeing instead of just gossiping about it. It's scary, even for a crappy job, that it don't, doesn't pay you a lot, to go up against a, a, a corporation, to go up against the people who pay you money, to possibly lose your job, to possibly have to get subpoenaed in court and testify. That's a very scary thing that a lot of people... I'm not saying that they are not brave human beings. I'm saying in that position, in that situation, they didn't know what to do. And they didn't, they didn't do the things that, they didn't report the things that they saw. So how it turned them into victims was they became disgruntled employees. They became passive aggressive. And it wasn't like they were just happy to be working the company. They worked less at their job They would validate that because their job was so bad at the treatment of the kids, because it was so bad as a company, that they didn't have to care about the kids or do all the things that they knew they were supposed to do for the kids. So it trickled down from the top down. The mentality from the top was, hey, listen, we're not going to provide all the things that we need for the kids because it's too hard. We're just going to make them do certain things. We're going to cut corners and people have to deal with it. And for the people who saw it happening, by them not doing something, by them not being assertively vulnerable, it not only allowed this horrible treatment in these facilities to continue to go on and get worse, but it also made them a victim and they became disgruntled. They became angry and upset. They became less of the teacher, the counselor that they were before. They validated cutting corners, not working hard themselves because of it. And the reason why I can say this is not judgment of all the people I worked with in the past. It's because I was one of them. I did the same thing, you guys. And I can see now how bad of an issue it was. And in those times where I turned people in and I was the whistleblower, I may make it sound like, oh yeah, I was this brave person, did it. Oh, it took me a little while. I had to watch things happen. I had to kind of collect my evidence and data. And I had to sit there and think about it. I'm like, dang, I've only been in this job for two months and shit, I don't know if I really want to leave. It was hard to get this job or this one company paid me money to move out there, recruited me, gave me double the amount of salary I'd ever been paid before and gave me money to get there. So they already had me in their pocket. So it was really difficult for me to be assertively vulnerable in that situation because money was attached to it. And I was scared that I could lose that money. But after I saw a couple more things happen, I realize I can't turn my back from this. So from the top down in your families, I'm asking you guys to model assertive vulnerability with your kids. When you apologize to your child for what you did, I don't want you to just say, hey, I'm sorry. Because let's face it, we all as parents, I think most parents in this day and age realize you got to apologize every now and then. We can't be like our parents who were like, apology. Apology. That's for our kids to say to us. Well, why would we apologize? Because if we apologize, we'd admit and show that we're flawed and have mistakes. And if we show that we're flawed and have mistakes, and no one will ever listen to us. Well, cat's out of the bag. Pretty sure teenagers then and even more now can record your mistakes, you talking out of just being ridiculous, you acting ridiculous. There's a lot of evidence to show that parents are not perfect and they have lots of errors and mistakes themselves. So it's up to us, you guys to apologize to our kids if we make a mistake and model that for them. But I want you to apologize using assertive vulnerability. Now, this is just one example you can use assertive vulnerability. But instead of telling your kid, hey, I'm sorry for yelling at you last night when you didn't do your homework, but I just get so frustrated when you don't do it and like, I've had a bad day and, you know, I'm tired of telling you over and over again. I just, I can only take so much of this. That is not a real apology. That is a victim Vulnerable apology. When I say real apology, I mean, that is not an assertive vulnerability apology. That's a victim vulnerability apology. Every one of you parents out there that apologize to your kids like that, that's exactly the same type of apology you'd be pissed off and upset at if your kids apologize to you. That's a double-handed apology. That's an apology and a slap in the face. That's a, "Hey, I know what I did was wrong, but I had good reason to doing it, and it's your fault for why I did it. So there you go. And the person who hears it is like, hmm, that sounds like a whole lot that they told me that they're sorry for being mad at me because I gave them all this reason to be mad at me and it's my fault for them having to get mad at me. So the real issue is just me, not their response or not their reaction. Well, you guys, um, even though that's just one example, I'm pretty sure that hits home with most of you guys, meaning you get what I'm saying When we use assertive vulnerability, we're coming to try to establish peace. And if you're the adult, you don't try to establish peace by just looking at them like, hey, I'm offering you vulnerability, you got to offer it back. No, you're going to have to model this multiple times. And sometimes they will be victim vulnerable back. You keep on being assertively vulnerable. If your kids say, let's use that same situation and I'll give you an assertive vulnerability response to it. You yelled at your kid the night before, and now you go to apologize to them. You say, listen, I don't need to talk to you right now. We don't need to get in another fight and argument. I just want to say something to you. And they'll be like, what? And you say, I sincerely apologize for losing my temper and yelling at you last night. I can make up all the excuses in the world why I yelled at you, but the reality of it is Me yelling at you and making it personal is not going to motivate you to want to do better at it. You already know your mistake. From now on, I'm just going to give you the consequence. I'm just going to tell you what you have to do because of it instead of yelling at you and telling you how you ruined my day, how you ruined all these other things because you didn't do your homework. Because the reality of it is, if you don't do your homework, you're not going to get a good grade. If you don't get a good grade, you can't hang out with your friends, you don't have freedom. So there's long-term consequences of this that I can't save you from. But what I can save you from is having to be belittled, embarrassed, and yelled at in front of your siblings, in front of other people when it doesn't change the fact that you need to do your homework and that you didn't do your homework. So I'm going to work on that from now on and you're going to see a huge difference in that. And if I do do it again, please call me out on it. Maybe not at the moment because I might get a little upset, but let me know that, you know, remember mom, remember dad, what you said you're going to work on. When you're modeling, now I'm going to go away from that example. You guys, when you're modeling to your kids and they see that it's uncomfortable for you and it's hard for you, they have to respect you. Now they may not respect everything about you. They not, may not respect you every moment of the day, but at that moment, They will respect you more because you would respect your kid more if you saw them working to be assertively vulnerable and you saw how hard it is for them to find their words and to try to be cool with you and not to fly off the handle and yell at you. If you see them desperately trying to keep their emotions in check, well then guess what? It's going to help you up your game. It's going to make you feel like I got to step my, my game up because dang it, like they're trying really hard. And if they're trying, well, then I'm willing to try too. How many times have you guys all told your kids, just put in a little effort and I'll double that. I'll match it. Your kids have no idea. I can't say this enough. Kids have no idea how much you would be willing to do for them if they just met you halfway. So instead of waiting for them to meet you halfway, you have to go to them and meet them halfway. Do not expect them to learn and seek out how to do assertive vulnerability. You just show them how to do it. If they're teenagers, don't think you can necessarily just teach them how to do it. They're going to only going to watch you. The days of teaching, when it comes to teenagers, there's not a lot you can teach teenagers because they're watching. They're not wanting to learn from anyone that they don't see that doesn't actually live that principle themselves. So that's the episode for today, you guys. Um, I'm not quite sure if everything I made, everything I said made sense because, like I said, I'm feeling sick. Pretty sure that most of it came across. So. Hopefully you guys don't have to do too much digging to, to try to make sense of what I said. But you guys, I meant, I meant everything that I did say that came across and I said accurately. i got to go back and listen to this one make sure it all made sense. But I meant everything what I said in regards to assertive vulnerability, good. Victim vulnerability, bad. We do not need an army of young people going out to the world, going out to the workplace with two jobs. The one they're working at and their other job which is to look for problems, to look for ways to bring people down, to shut people down, to stop people from having different thoughts, feelings, and opinions from them. Because victims are not heroes. Victimhoods are not real Robin Hoods where they're robbing from the people who are rich and giving it to the poor. They're trying to combat with power. And even if your kids are right and the power systems that they're trying to break down are wrong, you do not change someone's opinion by shaming them and making them feel bad. You change their opinion, you change their attitude by you being an example to them and showing them that you are a serious person that can be respected even if they don't agree with everything that you say and they don't like everything that you do. So that's the episode for today, guys. Thank you, as always, for listening to Light the Fight. And as Heidi always says, thank you for helping us to light the fight.